Good morning again. Good morning. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, New Testament, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be looking at chapter 2 this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to be exploring verses 1 through 5. Well, no doubt this past week, you have heard a lot of things, probably heard a lot of news, no doubt laughed at some jokes, listened to your spouse, listened to your kids, listened to the radio, listened to your favorite band. Now... Hear the word of the Lord. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified came to you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom but on God's power. Would you pray with me and ask for the Lord's help as we open up his word? Lord, we need you. As as Paul said in Corinthians, we, we need a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And so we run to you, Jesus. And we ask that you would be central. That all lesser thoughts and lesser things would bow to you, O Lord. Our minds, our thoughts, distractions. We pray it in the only name in which we can pray it, and that is in your name, O Lord. Our Savior, Jesus Christ was and is and is to come. Amen and amen. Well, I'm excited, y'all, to begin Redemption City Church's first sermon series titled Unoriginal. And I I love that word unoriginal because this is what Merriam-Webster, this is how they define the word unoriginal. They define it as lacking originality, which, I mean, I was always taught not to use the word in a definition, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. They go on to say, not able to think of or make new and creative things. 
Now, saints, we're, we're able to think of new and creative things. The question is, do we want to? Do we desire to? Should we desire to think of new and creative things when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ? Is it best for our souls to be more creative than Jesus Christ? Now, we want to use our gifts. We want to use photography. You'll see some photographers walking around. We want to use videography. We want to use the screens. We want to use our gifts but never use our gifts to think that they surpass how Christ has designed his church. Who the church is to be. What we are to be doing. How we should be loving one another. How we should be praying. How we should be preaching. We can't veer away from the blueprint that Jesus Christ has laid out in his words. So over the next six weeks, we're going to be going through this series titled Unoriginal, the first of which is bold preaching. If you look around, you'll see banners hanging in this room in which we're sitting. That are the, those are the six distinctives of RCC. Those are the things that we sort of opened up God's word and looked at and said, well, well, how Christ should we be as a church? And God's word sort of helped us out. It was like an open book test. Gave us all the answers that we would ever need to build his church. And one of the things that we need as a church is that we need God's man to proclaim God's word to God's people. And so we said we're going to be a church that is known for bold preaching. Why is it bold? Why is our proclamation bold? Well, it's bold because of what Paul is outlining in the book of 1 Corinthians. Our preaching is, is bold, beloved. It's because Christ is the content of our preaching. If I was the content of my preaching or your preaching, I don't imagine how bold I could be. But since Jesus Christ is the sum of all of what we proclaim, we can stand and be bold knowing that we are standing on eternal truths. Christ is the content. And you open up the book of Corinthians, you're like, what, a, what, is, what is Corinthians? Where is Corinthians? Where is this city called Corinth. Let me give you a little background on Corinth. It was an interesting town. The people in Corinth, they loved speeches. Any of y'all ever been in speech class? Don't be ashamed. You can raise your hand. It's cool now. You can be a speech. They love speeches. As a matter of fact, the, the guys and the women who were most gifted at giving these bold and flowery speeches were the wealthiest people in Corinth. Check this out. They even had speech battles. Not rap battles. Not dance battles. They would stand across from one another and they would give speech 
battles? Who can be the most articulate? Who can use the biggest words? Who can be the most persuasive? And the culture, they love this. They ate it up. Who can talk to us? Who can praise themselves and elevate the culture? Who has the best golden tongue? You have to understand that part about Corinth to understand what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, not with brilliance of speech or wisdom did I come to you, Corinthians. Just by how Paul decided to talk, he was going to be rejected by the culture. And Paul knew this because, beloved Paul, he wasn't concerned about winning the culture. Paul was not in what we like to call a cultural war. Paul was concerned about making disciples of Jesus Christ come what may with the culture. Now, I need you to lean in on this one. Some of y'all actually, that's funny. Some of y'all actually leaned in. It's a figure of speech. I need y'all to, I need y'all to lean in on this one. God doesn't need you to be like the culture in order to engage the culture. God doesn't need you to look like the culture in order to win some folks out of the culture. All he needs you to do is to be faithful to Jesus Christ. You don't have to have been a drug dealer to make a disciple of a drug dealer. You don't have to have been in a gang to make a disciple of a former gang member. You don't have to be married in order to make disciples of married folks. You don't have to be white to make disciples of white folks or black to make disciples of black folks. What you need is the power of Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. Who, who puts the words of good news in your mouth. Who sends you on mission who sends you into the culture in order to draw some folks out of the culture. So that is my, that is our goal every Sunday, every time we meet, every time we gather, it is bold preaching. Why? Because our preaching, the word of God, isn't shackled by the fear of being like the culture in order to engage it in order to affect change, in order to win souls. We don't have to be like the culture to make disciples. It's bold. Preaching is bold because it doesn't mind doing the exact opposite of what the culture is doing. It doesn't mind doing exact opposite of what the culture wants in order, brothers and sisters, to give the culture what it really needs, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. This wasn't accidental. 
It wasn't like Paul just walked into the city of Corinth and accidentally stopped using big and flowery words. No, if you, if you look at verse 2, you, you will see that this wasn't by accident. Paul says in verse 2, I decided. I decided to know nothing among you, Corinthians, among you who love persuasive words and big words and flowery speeches. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. A decision, beloved. A resolve. A I have made up my mind about this thing. Before Paul was, was two choices. On this hand, you have acceptance by the culture. On this hand, you have popularity. On this hand, you have the Corinthians saying, wow, look at Paul. Doesn't he make the most wonderful speeches? On this hand, you have this huge and magnificent following. On this hand, you have wealth and prestige. But on this hand, you have faithfulness to Jesus Christ. On this hand, it's like I I can lose everything else. I just can't lose Jesus Christ. These were the choices before Paul. And Paul says in verse 2, I have made up my mind. I have decided. You have to understand about the apostle Paul that he was a brilliant man. If anybody could have stepped in Corinth and gave the best of speeches, it was the apostle Paul. He could have people falling over his words. Wow, my, did you hear that word? I've never heard that word before. What is that, Greek? It actually kind of would have been Greek. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But Paul says earlier in in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, he says that when we try to add to the cross of Jesus Christ by human wisdom, we actually empty the cross of its power. Catch that, beloved. That when we seek to add to the cross of Jesus Christ by something that we bring, something that we think is going to make the cross more attractive, we're actually turning on the faucet and draining the cross of Jesus Christ of all of its power. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe we're ashamed of the cross. Maybe we realize that it really is foolishness. And so we say to ourselves, man, if if, if I can just twist it just a little bit, if I can make it palatable just a little bit, if if I can remove some of those sharp edges of God's wrath, if I can take some of that away, maybe then the culture would accept Jesus Christ and what you are doing is self defeating. When you add to the cross by your own fallible human wisdom, it loses all power and souls aren't saved. But when you present to folks Jesus Christ and him crucified, the one who has taken all our sins upon himself, the one who bears all the wrath of God for sinful, broken people, you will see the full power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't add to it. When you add to it, you take away from it. 
But when you hold it up for just what it is, for just what the Bible says the cross is, it's a dynamite. It's powerful. Make up our minds. This is what we have to do as Redemption City Church two Sundays in. We have to make up our minds before we even get halfway down the track that we're going to do what the Bible prescribes for us to do, and that is proclaim the mystery of Jesus Christ. We have to make up our minds beforehand because once we get into it, beloved, all kinds of things will try to pull us aside. We have to say, I have made up my mind about the good news of Jesus Christ. I will not vary from that because once we're in it, Everything will try to come in and distract the people of God from what they need most. Prestige. Size of the church. Vigorously counting people. Oh, we, we have 15 more people than what we have. How do we add to that? Well, if it's anything other than proclaiming Jesus Christ, we don't want it. Christ will build his church. We have to make up our minds before we get in it because when we get in it and we're waffling and we're blown by every wind that comes in here, we will be lost before we began. We have to stand up as Redemption City Church and say, I have decided to know nothing among the city of South Bend except for Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that is enough. Francis Grimke, powerful preacher, he, he wrote these words. He says, it, it is God's word that the people need to hear. Whether they wish to hear it or not. And it is the special mission of the minister to see that they hear it. It is not what he thinks, but what God has to say that is important. And the man who doesn't realize that has no right to be in the ministry. This is why it's critical to do what we just did here during announcement time to have a plurality of elders so that there can be a system of checks in place of godly men who if I ever sort of waver from proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to proclaiming my opinion or my politics, we have Jared and we have Ron to say, Stephen, get yourself together. Get back to the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified. You, we need the power of the cross every time we hear the word of God being preached. My beloved, my opinions won't save you. My, my politics won't heal your broken marriage. My soapboxes won't help you fight temptation. Only Jesus Christ can do that. This is why we present him to you every time we open up God's word, because he is the only one who can save you. He is the only one who can heal you.
He's the only one who can forgive you. Christ is the content of all of our preaching. That's why it's bold. It's also bold because Christ is the power of our preaching. Notice in verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. I came to you in weakness, fear, and trembling. Man, you see a preacher get up and they fear and they tremble and opening. You're like, oh, man, that's about to be a terrible sermon. <laughs> Fast forward to the end of verse 4. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. How in the world can God use a weak, fearful, trembling preacher to accomplish revivals. The same way God uses anybody to do anything. It's by the Spirit's power. That's the way God works. If anyone in here is affected by the sermon this morning, it is not because Stephen Love is preaching it. It is because the Spirit of God has the power to take the preaching of God's Word and implant it deep in your hearts and souls. If anyone in here is is touched or or moved by the singing, by the songs that we sing, it's not because the, the harmonies were on point. It is because the Spirit, as we sing about Jesus Christ, takes those words and lifts you into glory. It's not about us, what we do. It's about the Spirit's power. Saints, if the, if the Spirit of the Lord is not in this place, we can't do anything but all. If God's Spirit is in this place, y'all, we can do anything. Brokenness can be mended. Dead men can be made alive. Sin can be defeated if the Spirit is in this place. Anything is possible. So your role right now while I'm standing up here boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ, your role is not to just simply sit there and listen to me. Your role is to do another distinctive. Let me find it on the wall. Back there in the back, fervent prayer. Your role while the man of God stands up here and proclaims the word of God is to be fervently praying like, Spirit, would you move in this place? Would you take your word and change hearts and change generations? I'm not the only one working right now. Y'all should be working too. If you say to me after the sermon, you know what, Stephen, man, I missed your your second or third point because I was just so distracted. I was praying to the Lord that he would take his word and change somebody's heart and life. I will forgive you and Christ forgives you. (laughs) It should be fervent prayer. While while we boldly preach, we we all should be leaving this place sweating like, man, what did you do in church today? You didn't do anything. All you did was sit there. You're like, no, I didn't just sit there. I was fervently praying that the Spirit would move in that place. Nobody's inactive when we worship. 
Nobody's inactive while I proclaim the truth of God's word. You should be working too. You should be praying what Paul says in verse 4, that the demonstration of the Spirit's power will be on a full display. But notice the connection. Notice the connection between Christ being proclaimed and the Spirit's power. Paul has spent four verses saying, not with eloquence, not with persuasive words or or wisdom, but Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, not with flowery speeches, but Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And then at the end of all of that, he says, there was a demonstration of the Spirit's power. In other words, to get the Spirit's power, you and I need Jesus Christ. In other, other words, there is no Spirit's power without Jesus Christ without a proclamation of him, without a looking to him, without a clinging to Jesus Christ, we cannot manipulate the Spirit of God to do what we want him to do. You want the power of the Spirit? You got to go to Jesus Christ. Everything else is is foundationless feelings. We, we can't turn down the lights enough. We can't play softly enough in the background. We can't put out enough fog. We don't even have a fog machine, but if we did, we couldn't put out enough fog. I, I can't change the tone of my voice enough. We need Jesus Christ, if Redemption City Church is spiritless, it is because we are Christless. But if we proclaim Jesus Christ, if we exalt him, if we put him on full display, saints, we will see the spirit go bananas in this place. And that's what we desire, is it not? Spirit to move in and through the hearts and lives of God's people? But that is our human nature problem. We want to desire more of the Spirit. We want more of his power without also simultaneously asking for more of Jesus Christ. That's our problem. Why am I not experiencing more Spirit's power in my prayer life? Why why am I not experiencing more of the Spirit's power in my marriage and dealing with my kids, on my job, at my school, in my community, with my neighbors? Lord, why don't I have the Spirit's power all the while our Bibles are sitting closed? When God has said clearly that he is speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ, who is on full display in his word. You will not see the Spirit's power if you don't see Jesus Christ. And you won't see Jesus Christ if your Bibles are closed. You you want that power? You got to be connected to Jesus Christ. In fact, 
by our former hometown in the suburbs of Chicago. We had an IT guy. You know those guys that come in the room, make you feel all bad for not knowing technology as well as they know technology? Some of y'all in the room, yeah, shame on y'all. Y'all doing, y'all gonna do it tomorrow when y'all go to work. Make people feel bad because we don't know technology. Y'all look like y'all know technology, sorry, right? IT guy always came in the room and he said, Stephen, every time I go into the room to fix a computer problem, the first thing I ask is, is it plugged in? Right? He says, Stephen, nine times out of ten, they wonder, my mouse isn't working. It's not turning on. What happened? He said, man, you're not plugged in. Simple fix. That's you and I's problem as well. We desire, Lord, why why don't I have your spirit's power? Why am I not doing what I, I should, what I know I should be doing for Jesus Christ? Well, you're not connected to the source. You're not connected to the one who gives you that power. You're not connected to the one who, when he is proclaimed, you will see the Spirit's power on full display. You, you want the power that Paul is talking about? All oh, you, Christ and him crucified. Not human wisdom. Christ is the content. He's the power. But also, he, 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 he's the result Christ is all and in all. He's the beginning, the middle, and the end. Paul ends in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with this pastoral heart. Ultimately, we preach Christ so that your faith can rest on God's power, not human wisdom. Your faith should rest on a firm foundation, not sinking sand. That's that's the contrast between human wisdom and God's power. Human wisdom and that which lasts, that which changes every time you go to it, and that which is eternal. Paul says, pastorally, I I proclaim Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can sustain you. He's the only one that can keep you. He's the only one that can hold you. My flowery speeches and big words is not going to hold you when things get tough, but Jesus Christ can. Human wisdom is not going to hold you, but Jesus Christ can. So you present Christ so that what we do, our, our faith is not on human wisdom, but on God's power. Human wisdom says you're accepted because of what you do or don't do. Christ, Christ says, you're accepted because of what I have done. Human wisdom says love is is conditional. It's feeling-based. Christ says, my love for you is unconditional. It is the cross of Jesus Christ based. Human wisdom says, try harder. Christ says, believe. Human wisdom says, don't show your weakness. Christ says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
Human wisdom says, you're too broken to be saved. Christ says brokenness is a prerequisite for salvation. We can boldly preach Jesus Christ because he is the content of what we proclaim, not what I say. We can boldly preach Jesus Christ because he is the power to change hearts and broken sinners, not Stephen Love. We boldly preach Jesus Christ because we, at Redemption City, we, we want your faith to be based on that which will last. That's God's power. That's Jesus Christ. That's who we proclaim. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need your power, but to say that is to say we need Jesus Christ. We need him every moment of every minute of every day. We need Christ. Lord, show him. Remind us. Bring us back again and again. 